0: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
1: Hello, gentle listeners. When you download this 1969 episode thinking it's the first one, you're going to be surprised that it's in fact the 52nd one. The reason is that we got so much better after doing all these years that we went back, re-listened to 1969, and thought, if only we could do that better. And then we realized we can do whatever we want. So we did. We did. So please enjoy the all-new 1969 Redux episode of 50 Years of Music. Thanks for joining us, and enjoy all the wonderful content to follow. We appreciate you.
2: I, I think what you just said is beautiful and eloquent, and it's a great way to end our podcast. But I want to point out, Ben Barton, that he said... I invited our two acapella groups. <laughs> they have two acapella groups. Boys and girls. Good call. Good call. Thank you, Timmy, for pulling that out. Well, you couldn't
0: get a third? There's <laughs> not a fourth and a fifth? I feel like you're laying down on the job, Jeff. I feel right. like at your fancy private school, everyone should get several acapella groups. Right. What are you guys doing? What are you paying the money for? <laughs>
2: Oh, it should I should be it. walking
0: to class. I know. Acapella. I don't understand why Jeff's English class is in acapella. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God,
1: that's so great. <laughs> you're walking down the hill and you're headed to class. Did you run, run, run? I'm gonna institute that for next year.
0: Fifty
2: years of music with fifty-year-old white guys. We might as well have this conversation in front of the children. Uh, we are not doing our clean it up podcast right now. The one where I give you homework, you're going to have to like do a, a self reflection on the songs that were left behind. So, so what the proposal is that we're going to do that next week, correct?
1: That's fine with we me. We have a special have done...
0: pod for next week for sure.
1: Okay. I have and, done no homework. That's for sure. And the sure. podcast
2: right now that everyone is currently listening to is Drumroll. Reboot
3: 1969.
2: 1969. The 1969 reboot. Because uh, I don't know, Jeff, is there like a famous concert that was hard to get your hands on uh back in the day before the internet, where it's like, oh, there's this one tape of
1: Oh, there might have been one or 7,000 that i just chased down <laughs> like that. I love that that's your example of knowing what a nerdy lunatic I am about concert t- Did I Google 10 best sounding Bob Dylan never ending tour bootlegs five hours ago? Yes, I did. So you're still doing that. Okay, yeah. good.
2: So our original 1969 podcast is going to attract the same kind of lore down the road.
1: Because you yanked it because you're I, a revisionist historian
2: because it was outpacing all our other downloads, uh, times, times four.
1: Oh, because it's, people were starting with the first yeah. one people started with the first year, her, her the
0: try. Or, to, I mean, it's so bad. Do. It was so bad. This, the sound was really bad. And also we just hadn't hit our stride yet. <laughs> so 70, weirdly 70 is better.
2: 70 is better. So we, yeah, we're going to redo
0: 69. And then, but I have a, a more controversial suggestion is that, uh, We just keep it going next week. We do 70. We just like, it's an Ouroboros. We just are in a continuous (laughs) loop where we never leave. All we do is live this same 50 years over and over again. And we can't change the songs or anything. All the questions are the same. All the conversations the same. It's going to be like Groundhog Day.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Punxsutawney podcast is what I was going to say. That's great. I'll Um, have have the the same kind of pauses. Is this like when Lucas re releases Star Wars and adds a bunch of annoying stuff? Like, dude, Han shot first and and Jabba the Hutt walking around in the hangar and all that. My song
0: is the same, but my story is like 8,000 times better. So I'm I'm fired up. And I'm changing my song entirely.
2: Yeah. Well, but here's the next question Is it the same uh,
0: questions? Oh, and it's you the guys same question for sure. Hey, Timmy, hit me. What were the top boys and girls names in 1969? <laughs> Michael and Lisa. Oh, how dare you, Jeff? I was about to say Michael and Lisa. <laughs> wow. You both got that
2: right. William and Jacob. All right. So now the, uh, the listeners know what's going on. Hey, we are 50 years of music with 50 year old <laughs> white guys. We're coming to you on the drive in podcast network. So, uh, Any chance you get, you go to musiccitydrivein.com. You've got great articles. You've got great music, uh, a lot of movies, trailers. we got a summer of fun coming up on that website, so please check it out, musiccitydrivein.com. Ricky and all the guys, thank you in advance. 1969, the Grammy winner. It's the Grammy winner.
3: Games People Play by Joe South.
2: Jeff, we're not hearing anything. Jeff, Jeff, you shut us off. We can't Jeff? hear you, man. Jeff, we, what? we can't hear any music.
1: Oh, yeah, because uh, I'm, I'm recreating 1969's <laughs> pathetic inability.
0: What's the name of this dude? Technology. What's the name of the guy? I, I'm texting my dad to find out the name of that guitar sound. His Joe is, South. Joe South. I thought your dad said it was twanging. No, no, he's got an actual name. It's like a flanger or something.
1: It's flanger. It's a flange. Yeah, I right, show you what. You're going to cut all this out where I'm an idiot. We're just yeah. doing the song. Here yeah. we go. <laughs> That's enough of that.
0: First of all, having heard it three okay. times now, yeah, my new favorite part is the drum part.
1: Oh, <laughs> I know the tablas. Those Do are you tablas. think it's a tabla or a bongo, no, it's definitely a tabla because it has that kind of like where you pull What's it back. What's a tabla? On it's a, it's an Indian percussive instrument, huh. not dissimilar to a bongo. But I'm sure in 1969 they went and got the raga <laughs> instrument. R-H-D-A. Well, And there's also
0: there's like a there's like a. um tambourine and then he comes in with a hi-hat amazing a really a sound you can dance to you know what i mean like (laughs) it's a heavy driving beat when it comes in with a (laughs) doom 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 it's definitely the first time i heard it i was like did they did they drop a grape like what was that noise (laughs) what is that weird sound that i was like
1: oh my god that's a purposeful drum sound that's an actual thing That is definitely music to make macrame hangers, too. Remember oh, that man. in 69, they had those like macrame <laughs> things in the kitchen. You were supposed totally. to put plants in just awesome. to see somebody knitting in the corner while they're going doo do. Doo, doo, doo.
2: I, I love the fact that in 1969, when that song was first played for the two of you, you were like, oh, that's weird. Now you're just going for it. Like you have no patience
0: for this one.
1: 1969
0: redux. That's right. <laughs> well, dude, we now that we've done 50 years of it, we know that's not even in the, it is probably in the top 10 worst, don't you think? It's probably the top 10 worst Grammy winners. It might be
1: top five. Well, gosh, oh, no, 80s, no, 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 no. You're right. The whole 70s is
0: is just I mean, it's a brutal grim run. But the first time in 69, I was like, oh my God, like how did that like how did that happen? And now you right. know how that happened. Like Joe South. they continuously choose the wrong thing. This one's amazing, though. It still tickles my funny bone. So bad. Yeah. So
1: bad. Well, it's terrible. It, too. And the guy comes in with just like like that like over the top Americana Texas ten gallon hat wearing back of a pickup truck. Like, World of play. I'm like behind that track. Like, that is not the voice that's supposed to come out of that track. That's just like it's such a mishmash of all the wrong. It's like a Denny's omelet. It's like all the wrong stuff put together for four dollars. I mean, it's just that's a bad song.
0: And Jeff, my recollection from 1969 last time is there's a crazy story about this. Right. Didn't he have this song and couldn't get signed that he put it out as a number one hit or whatever?
1: Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's been you a long time. Who can remember yeah. fifty years ago? But, but uh... <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's move on to some events
2: from nineteen sixty nine. Gosh, what what do you think? It is is the legacy of the sixties Woodstock, or is the legacy of the sixties Altamont? Dude, that's not my actual story
0: for the Rolling Stones. It's definitely Altamont. No oh kidding. Oh, yeah. I, I don't want. This is to where the '60s end, and it's the, it's the natural end of the '60s. Is Altamont, for sure. That's where it all ends up. That's where free love and taking a bunch of drugs and having the hell's angels be your security. That's where we end up. For,
1: for five hundred dollars worth of beer, by the way, was the payment to be the security at Altamont. So, yeah. so well, that's
2: idea-
0: how you end up stabbing people.
2: And yeah, and the, the idea was that we don't want cops there because they're the man. And we don't need It's
1: actually, I don't know how much of the story Ben's going to tell, but I, I just read Joel Selvin's book about Altamont, which is really good. Um, so I'm actually, I come to this conversation with too much information about Altamont. That's fresh in my head, but it was supposed to take place in golden gate park at the center of the epicenter of the summer of love. Uh-huh. And they screwed up, they screwed up the permits and the city was like, you can't have a concert for 750,000 people in the park. So they tried to move it to the Sears point raceway, up in Marin County uh, at, at the very edge of Marin County in Napa Valley, Napa County. Uh-huh. And the locals, they were like, you're not bringing all those freaks up here to the racetrack. <laughs> so they got the Altamont site 36 hours before the show was supposed to be Holy created. Smokes. And it's in the south that had never hosted anything like this before. There's no parking, there's no facilities, there's no porta potties, there's no nothing. They build a stage two and a half feet off the ground. like. The the clown who shows up at your friend's bar mitzvah party has a better stage than the Stones played on in Altamont. <laughs> they got a PA that's at best hearable for the first fifty thousand audience members, and six hundred thousand people show up with no infrastructure facility. The interstate is shut down in both directions for twenty miles in either direction, and all hell breaks loose. Yeah, and
2: this is the concert where the uh, the Jefferson airplane is it the yeah basis? they knock him out.
1: Uncon- they knock him unconscious on stage mid-performance.
2: Yeah. The Hells Angels just come up and yeah. clock
1: him. Cool QM in the head, in the <laughs> middle of a song. <laughs> Man.
2: So, Ben Barton, why is that the uh, why is that the 60s instead it's of... almost free- what happened
0: to Woodstock. They overran the thing at Woodstock. I mean, it was a mess. They just, like, when you don't plan things and you're not into the whole, like controlling things and doing things <laughs> <laughs> doesn't work yeah. out. I'm a 50 year old man. I can say with strong confidence that if that, yeah. if your plan is like, I don't have a plan, we're just going to wing it. Eventually you will pay a significant price. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We are. We are Especially teachers. if you're high yeah. as hell and the Hells Angels are involved, like well, this is not a good combo. I So I, I'm going to make the argument that um, you can't have one without the other. Like the answer is yes to which one is the is emblematic of the '60s. America really did try to uh, experiment with an idea of let's let go of old structures that seem to be exclusionary. Let's rewrite the rules. And then Ben's right that the absence of rules is just as bad as the presence of too many rules. Right? That what a, what a community at its best is is a continual perpetual negotiation of equity woodstock and altamont are neither of those and that's what's so problematic right but i actually think like altamont was happening all over america when woodstock was happening it's just america wasn't paying attention like uh-huh. it's not like oh everything was great in august i right? think that's super fair Right. And then what all December was, was that this is the side of it that television cameras hadn't captured yet. That like if you read Joan Didion, uh, the white album, she, she uh, wrote this amazing book about hate street in 1968. She went there after the summer of love and she finds the whole thing. She finds all the good and all the bad and all the ugly and the terrible sexism and the horrendous parenting and the massive drug abuse and the prostitution that comes with that. And I mean, like all real stories, the real narrative is super complicated. And uh, I think you put those two events together three months apart uh, with a moon yeah. landing and our births in between. And you've got a pretty <laughs> interesting six months of American history. Oh, yeah, no doubt.
2: Wow. Well, uh, let's go down that rabbit hole of American history a little more. So not only do you have the, the moon landing, uh, the, the, the first real troop removals from Vietnam, um, begin happening in 1969. The Charles Manson murders Chappaquiddick. What do you think? Was he driving or not?
1: Totally. He was there. Don't you think he's, don't you think he panicked and swam away? I don't think, I don't
0: think he was there. You don't. Okay. (laughs) Oh, Timmy bringing the Massachusetts Homer.
2: (laughs) Well, uh, all
0: right, anyways, let's go. on.
2: Do you uh, think that do
1: you think Manson did it? Do you think that Manson yeah. ordered those murders? Okay, I just yeah. want to make sure you're not, you know. Yeah. Okay, we then. also had the uh
2: stonewall riots, which amazing where we are in 2021 yeah.
0: t- totally amazing right,
2: with gay marriage, uh, where we were in 1969, uh, w- with cops shaking down a gay bar. It's really a remarkable, remarkable transition in American history.
1: I w- I just went. Uh, the last time I was in New York, I walked for like three hours through Greenwich yeah. Village and happen- happened upon the Stonewall. It was really uh, moving. It's was, it was. Moving super badass. It's so good. Yeah. It's still right there. Yep.
2: Yeah, it's really great. That was when you went to that, uh, that rock and roll. Oh, yeah, yeah, right? that's right. Yeah. That's
1: right. You came and hung out with me. That's right. Yeah. Uh,
2: all right. Well, let's go. Um, t- let's go see what you remember. Give me the number one TV show in 1969, Jeff Simons.
1: Uh, it's either Gunsmoke or Bonanza, I think.
2: You are incorrect on both. Ben? Laughing. That is correct. Come on now. Here's
0: oh the thing. I was, I, I was I not listen last to time, our- though.
1: I don't listen to our own work. so I I know, but last time I I
0: was in the neighborhood, right? Didn't I say hee-haw? So
2: I was in the neighborhood last time. You said hee-haw. Jeff got it with Rowan and Martin's laughing. So, uh, But
1: I got it on like the fourth guest, didn't I? I didn't get it right away. (laughs) Jeff gave us a clue like it was a variety show or something like that.
0: No, I said hee-haw, and then you got laughing. Jeff's uh, Jeff's
2: retaking the SAT and now getting (laughs)
1: questions wrong. (laughs) Never take the SAT twice. That's a really (laughs) good point. Children at home, one and done.
2: Get out. Number one movie of 1969, Ben Barton.
1: I know this, this one. one.
0: I, okay, let Jeff go then.
1: It's, it's Butch Cassidy and the Sundance there Kid. There
2: you go, nice job, awesome. Well, let's get right to the number one hit. So we've, we've covered the Grammy winner of 1969. The number one hit, Jeff Simons, go. It's the number one hit.
3: Aquarius, Let the Sun Shine In by The Fifth Dimension.
2: take our shirts off in this and
1: I was halfway grooving. there I was halfway to nudity for sure that was great <laughs> oh man! You know, that, you know what the subtitle of that song is it's Aquarius slash let the sun shine in parentheses <laughs> the flesh failures close parentheses really the flesh
0: failures yeah I did not know that
1: I didn't know that's by that the much. way a great subtitle for 50 year old life <laughs> how dare you I will not have
0: it I can't have it.
1: <laughs> the flesh failure
2: i love it you know right now patrick wood was sitting there thinking wait i i already listened in 1969 why should i listen to this thing again and look at jeff
1: simons bringing new content fresh Fresh, snappy <laughs> patter for the people. You got it, baby. The
0: flesh failures. And so I will cut to the chase. That song yep. sucks. <laughs> yes. That musical sucks. The recording yes. sucks. They start out with a flute, and I was like, out, 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 out. Hard out.
1: <laughs> you know, it is great in the 40 year old version, though. When he sings that at the end oh, in it's the 40 year old version, it's a great it's, move. It's spectacular. It's, it's spectacular. really spectacular. Uh, but yeah, that's ridiculous And the hair is like one of those cultural uh, like hair and happy days. There's just these things that were really popular, like really, really popular. And you look back like, whoa, like there was some there was something besides fluoride in the water. First of that all, thing-
0: how dare you love happy days and with hair? I feel very strongly that one of those things is
1: awesome. Well, yeah i should watch one the happy days moves so slowly it's like <laughs> i mean this is really the speed it's like knock 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 howard get the door eight seconds of laughter <laughs> opens the door and it's the fuzz. a hey. 45 <laughs> seconds no then you applause. have applause yeah i mean it's unbelievable how slow i'm like this thing i mean it's only like it must be like a four-page script I mean, they, they barely speak. It takes so long for things to happen.
2: I showed my students a clip from the Andy Griffith show today, and boy, Andy Griffith pauses more than I do when he speaks. It's like the know, camera's right? just on him Run. as he pauses. Just wait. Well, Opie, <laughs> you know what your mama said? <laughs> yes, <laughs> go on. Uh, uh, all right. Well, good stuff. I've got some other stuff here, like the very first invitation to cynicism question uh, to Jeff Simons. Uh, who or what was Time Magazine's Person of the Year in 1969? Do you remember
1: this a, atrocious it, selection? Uh, no, it was, it, I, I remember it wasn't a person, right? It's a personal computer. <laughs> no, Ben Barton. Uh,
0: <laughs> it's like little people. Close. Little people. It is the
2: silent majority. Oh, Oh, that's the worst. Yeah. Oh, for God's sake. Really pandering. Um, and then Ben, (laughs) I don't know. Well, let's see if you've changed in a year. Let's see what your attitudes are like one year later, both Monty Python's flying circus and Sesame street debuted in 1969. Which of these two shows has had a bigger impact on Western culture?
0: Yeah, I have to stay with my old answer. It's Monty Python because Sesame Street fades. When's the last time you were kind? And I said that before the pandemic. So believe me, I've (laughs) softened a little bit. But yeah, that was my take.
2: Do you find post-pandemic or or mid-pandemic, wherever we are, do you find you're more patient and generous with people?
0: Sad to report, no not at all i do not find that in any way shape or form george and i literally had a conversation where she was like when's the last time you gave somebody a finger while you were driving and i was like i have to take what time is it i was like i have to take the fifth on that she was like what do you mean i was like well this morning was not good there was really a lot of traffic (laughs) how about that how about that big middle finger it's not my fault you cut me off and now you're getting there
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my God! Uh,
2: so all right, good. Uh, are you guys uh, more patient with your students this year?
0: I am better with that in
1: like, some way, like giving them extensions and oh God, yeah, I, I yeah. threw all the like just, just don't poop in my desk and you'll be <laughs> fine. It's basically the new normal. But I'm hoping they've been right. great. I will say, like all this talk, I mean, like there's been there's been a lot of positive talk about teachers. There's also been a lot of unnecessary like grilling of like you lazy teachers, but there's also been a lot of like, oh, you heroes you went back in the pandemic. The real heroes are the students. Like, can you imagine caring enough to show up every day and do what I asked you to do and do it well right. in these, in the, and I, you know, 95% of my students brought their A game. Like they deserve almost yeah. all the credit for education continuing. And there is, there hasn't been enough, like way to go kids in this yeah. moment where they could have totally just right. packed it in. So,
2: well, I mean, t- as an example, I stopped listening to you about 20 seconds ago. But those kids, they've been focused and zeroed in on everything you say. It's amazing. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we had our last class today. So I said goodbye to all my students today. And it's one, one. You had hex- your
1: last class today? Yeah. I have another month. I have 26 <laughs> more days of this crap. How is it that possible that you're done? You can't say crap. You just said how
2: much you love them and how great they are. I love them. Those I little done, bastards I are going to be done here with,
1: another month. dude. No, I am done with the activity of going into a room together and trying to learn. We all need a break. We yeah. all need a massive well, vacation.
2: Yeah, but, that, that's why we had our last day. All right, let's ah, move on leadership. to uh, our three songs.
0: are three songs.
1: Am I the only one keeping? No, you're changing your story. I, and I'm... I'm keeping my thing,
0: and I'll just go ahead and do it. Uh, so let's go ahead and start. Okay. So yeah. my first love, the original band, but I mean, I, like ACDC was the first record that I bought, and the first concert I went to, but the Rolling Stones were the first band that I really just fell head over heels for and went nuts for. And so I'm going to tell a, a story about 62 to 69. And then I'm also going to explain a little bit about the Beatles versus Stones thing, and then what you can take from the fact that I am a Stones guy. And that's why an I interesting conversation. Stones. Let's go.
1: Let's go. Right, so here we go.
0: New Year's and Jeff can correct all of this. I could be completely wrong about some of this. I'm 1962 sure New Year's Day, Decca Records. The Beatles show up to do a tryout at Decca Records, and an executive Decca, at Decca Records turns them down and tells the Beatles management that guitar music is on its way out and declines to sign the Beatles.
1: 100% true.
0: What was on the way in, according to this guy? Three months later, like Shirley Horns. Three months (laughs) later, they signed with Polydor. March 1963, their first record comes out. They're super rushed. They record an entire record in one day. Please, please me. It goes to number one on the UK pop charts. They're the biggest thing since sliced bread. Needless to say, the A&R department at Decca Records is somewhat disappointed with their yeah. decision not to sign the Beatles. And I'm just going to go ahead and say all of their heads are on the line. I'm sure that there was like a memo, open memo to the entire staff, like, we will fire you as soon as possible. We hate you. <laughs> So May 5th, 1963, in a very related story, they sign your Rolling Stones. And it's super similar. We've had this conversation about Seattle. We had this conversation about Athens, Georgia. We had this conversation about New York in the, the punk era. Like sometimes like a band like the Beatles hits and they're like, I don't care who it is, sign them. You sign everybody who can play a guitar in London. I don't (laughs) give a freaking crap who it is. And actually the Rolling Stones are a good example of this. So before 1963, Brian Jones, who's the original guitarist and he's the original genius and a huge, super interesting guy. He's like a blues man, a self-described blues man, even though he's like a 20 year old white guy in London. He's like, I'm a real blues man. That's my thing. So he puts out an open ad. And he gets Mick, and then Mick brings his best friend from childhood, Keith Richards, in. And then they get Bill Wyman and eventually they get Charlie Watts. And so they got the, the outfit. And uh, Mick Jones is the best player. He knows all the tunes. He's got the best taste in the band. He's running the band. So they start out as a 100% cover band, and they get signed as a 100% cover band. Their first single is a lesser known for a good reason, Chuck Berry song called Come On. And I challenge you to go listen to Come On by the Rolling Stones and think that these people are gonna have a future career. <laughs> it's like mixed like wailing away on the harmonica tunelessly in the background.
1: Uh-huh. It's really- I believe apocryphally accidentally upside down on the yeah, first hit. I
0: mean, it's really, wow. really, really bad. Wait, um, can we that, play, play uh, 15 seconds? Jeff? Well, it's they're, they're their second single okay. is a gift from the Beatles, Lennon yep. and McCartney. Give them. I want to be your lover. I want to be your man. And which, by the way, is easily their best song until like paint it black. Like it's like, like not even close. Wow. Um, they get they get um, their manager, Andrew Lou Goldblum, comes on and he's like, listen, there's no future in being a cover of bands. And Mick Jones is like, what do you mean? Like, we're bluesmen. And he was like, yeah, okay, (laughs) sure. I hear that, but I'm going to need you to write some songs. And so Mick Jones is not a talented songwriter. So Mick and Keith sit down and start writing songs. First record, the songs are, are borderline embarrassing. And they don't even put their own names on it. They call them Nanker Felge. That's the yep. name of the songwriter because they want to stay bluesmen. So they're like, oh, there's this blues person you haven't heard of from Mississippi called Nanker Felge. <laughs> and he's written these awful songs that go along with I'm a King Bee and Fortune Teller and Poison Ivy, right? <laughs> I will just say, as a huge stone's head, I have a soft spot in my heart for that first record. Jeff, do you oh, agree?
1: Yes, I got, can I say their version of I Just Want to Make Love to You where they speed up accidentally in the middle and like, Watts starts playing the hi-hat and then he starts, stops, just playing it again. It's so exciting. It sounds like kids reinventing music. I that's an underrated, it's their best record for a long time. Like oh, I agree. second, third, fourth, fifth record. Don't live up to the original. Huh. Totally opinion.
0: agree with that. Although you can see why after the original, the manager was like, We we need to move on. Oh, yeah, totally. Course. Like yeah, we totally. can't be a blues cover band. So um They keep putting out records. They're grinding away at it. And basically, Brian Jones keeps getting pushed further to the periphery as he goes. Like, each record's got more originals on it. The originals are better. They're making progress. But the first thing you want to note is, if you're going to be a Stones person over the Beatles person, you need to play. In that argument, Stones versus Beatles, you have to play Come On. And then you also have to play I Want to Be Your Lover and be like, I just want to be clear. The only reason the Stones exist is because of the Beatles. Like, that's a fact. You have to eat that. Yeah. Um, the second thing you have to eat is that the Beatles records, each record is better than the Stones record all the way into 68. Like there's just no argument about it. And then in particular, 67 is a banner year if you are on the Beatles side of this <laughs> argument. So uh, the Stones put up Between the Buttons and that is OK. That's a good record. It's got some good songs on it. Um, the Beatles put out Sgt. Pepper's. So Sgt. Peppers comes out March 1967 and the Stones are so rattled by this record that they go into the studio and create their own version of it. Their Satanic Majesty's Request, which, first of all, I will say um, She's a Rainbow, the top 20 Stone song. That's a masterpiece. That record is jaw droppingly awful. It's so bad. It's laugh out loud bad. Um, I can't remember the name of the song, Jeffelmo. There's a song that's written and sung by Bill Wyman that they were like, sure. Like, you know, they, and I R- can't remember what it's called. They let Ringo so sing. Horrible. on yeah, Sergeant sure. Pepper, So maybe we should let Bill Wyman have his own song. <laughs> <laughs> and dude. I mean, it's like, it's a, one of them. I mean, and I, I, like it's more embarrassing than the worst Pink Floyd song. Like it, that's how bad it is. Like for a wow. major, a major artist, this album has got some serious lows. So they're so humiliated. They got to slink their tail between their legs on the rivalry thing. It's like Boston, that's the Red Sox Yankees in 2003. Like it's just an absolute nadir. The Beatles have just bent them over their knee and spanked them until their butts are super red. And of course, the Beatles are super nice. Like Paul McCartney's like, you're lovely lads. Like, you're fine. And they're like, no, we're not fine at all. We (laughs) suck. And you eat our lunch every day. Like they freaking had it. And at the same time, Everything's going to pieces with Brian Jones. So yeah. he's a drunk and a drug addict, and they're being huge dickheads to him. This is how bad it is March 1967, <laughs> the whole band goes to Morocco on a vacation. Uh huh. And Brian Jones gets in an argument with his girlfriend, Anita Pallenberg. And Timmy, you can guess this. Who does she go home with? Mick? Keith Richards, no, Keith. Keith Richards' girlfriend. Like he just, and it, this is his, this is Brian Jones' girlfriend of two years. They get in and, a fight. Keith swoops in, just takes her home with him. That's, that's it. it. It's over. Oh yeah, totally. And I mean, if if you wanted to be nice about it, you could say, you know, Jones was a dick and Jones lorded over Keith and was like, I'm the lead guitarist, you're the rhythm guitarist, never do anything except until I tell you to do things. All of that being said, if one of us had taken the other person's girlfriend in Morocco, like that's a tough look for our guys. Right. So 68 Beggars (laughs) Banquet, they're just like F competing with the Beatles, F being the Beatles. We're just going to do our own thing. And Beggars Banquet is a masterpiece. And then they followed up with 69's Let It Bleed. And this is the beginning of the run. I mean, part of the thing with the Beatles is that like they don't have anything from 69 to, I guess, 70 is the last record, but yeah, don't have anything to compete with the Stones through 74. But 68 to 74, that's your argument right there. Like, yeah. it's, you could put, in my opinion, you could put 68 to 74 with the Stones up against anything that the Beatles did. And I include the run that has Sgt. Peppers in it. That's how strongly I feel about that run. Wait, wait. Off can it- you
2: name the the albums for me? from Because I have no conception of... Beggar's the Banquet,
1: Let It Bleed, the first, uh, the only, uh, well, uh, Get Your Yaya's Out, which is a live recording that puts the Beatles to shame. Okay. Uh, Sticky Fingers, XL on Main Street. You're going you're going to go Goat's Head Soup. It's only rock and roll.
0: Yeah, totally. I carry all the way through there. All of the Mick Jones records are masterpieces. Every, Mick Taylor. And that basic, or Mick Taylor. Sorry. They get rid of... They get rid of Jones and they they bring in Mick Taylor. Well, they don't get
1: rid of Jones. He drowns in his swimming pool. Well, so pool. hold on. They
0: fire him. They let him <laughs> give a press release that he's leaving the band. And then two months later, the poor guy drowns in his pool. Like, And God, the, next
1: day, the next day, the Stones play Hyde Park with the new oh, yeah, totally. a new guitarist. That's how Oh, yeah, totally. It was a tribute. don't cancel the show. Jeff. No, they don't cancel the show. They bring in Mick a, Taylor. It, it was a, a tribute.
0: Days. I don't know if you know, but but uh, Mick read
1: a really nice poem. Oh, no, and they released so... eight dubs, that's my favorite part. Is there? It says like they released dubs. I've seen the footage. They released, like eight pigeons that a rody <laughs> captured that morning, and they kind of poop on the crowd and disappear. It's the most disingenuous. Oh, dude, and
0: Mickey and Keith oh. don't even go to the funeral. Like it's a bad luck. No. Oh yeah, no, totally. Oh. They were busy. They had other stuff to do. Oh, blooded, <laughs> dang. Okay. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> so let it bleed is depending on how you count it, my favorite Stones record. And it has my favorite Stones song on it. This is a song that Jeffrey K. Simons played at my wedding. Oh, I did. This is not a Bill Wyman embarrassing himself song. This is the first song that Keith sang. It's a beautiful country rock song. It has all of the stuff that they did right and that they were smart about like they went back to their roots. They started exploring other parts of American music. Like at the beginning, the argument between the Stones and the Beatles was the Beatles were reinventing rock music from America in the late 50s. And the Stones were reinventing blues music from America in the early 50s, 40s before that. Like they were just digging in a different part of the garden. And then to move on to this country rock and bring in all of the different flavors of Americana, reimagined through their playing, that's the argument for the Stones. Jeff, will you hit me?
3: You got the silver by the Rolling Stones. Hey, babe, what's in your eyes? I saw them it like airplane lights. You fill my cup, babe. That's for sure. Must come back for a little more. You got my heart. You got my soul. You got the silver, you got the gold, you got the diamonds from the mine. Well, that's alright. Let him buy some time.
0: So one of the secrets so to Jagger's banquet and let it bleed is basically Keith plays all of the guitar parts and he's such an interesting, sloppy, weird player. And this is such a great example of that. Like the that. Yeah. And then he's got an actual slide part, but he's got a part where he's kind of using his fingers as a slide all at once on top of each other. Um, and his voice, like, it's so beautiful. Like Mick Jagger, um, depending on how you want to count it is the most iconic voice in rock music of all time. But Keith brings his own like special flavor to it. And it's like um, his vulnerability in that's his singing of right this. is just so yeah. beautiful.
1: Mick's not vulnerable at all. Even when he's singing <laughs> yeah. about vulnerability, he's vulnerable, <laughs> even when he's singing about being invulnerable. And that is this, that's his whole city. There's no Paul Westerberg. There's no replacements. There's no alt country, anything without Keith Richards, vulnerability and his vocal like. Tweety, all the guys we love from the last thirty years are copying Keith Bridges. and on some level, whether it's oh yeah, no, I love it. Wait, But didn't
2: you didn't you say in the first podcast that that
0: Mick didn't even go to the uh, studio that day? Like, was yeah, this it's a- very possible? <laughs> there's yeah. a like, there's a whole bunch of different rumors about it, but yeah, he and Marianne Faithful are filming some movie in Australia. Performance, and, uh, yeah, and so they're off in Australia, and so Keith is like, you know bloody fucked up like he just goes into the studio and (laughs) records the song himself
1: (laughs) yeah Uh, i don't like i don't i i hate the beatles versus stones things because any rock and roll fan who doesn't love them both like what are you doing why would you get into a beatles versus stones argument where you can have you can have fruit and dessert but but i think ben that was a that was just a fantastic little uh history lesson for everyone that was great um and it is a shame we were not born in 1968 because my favorite stone song is Sympathy for the Devil. And if we had to pick greatest guitar solo of all time, it would oh, be I the guitar solo. The guitar solo in Sympathy is, is everything I love about rock and roll in 45 seconds. Dude, it's I perfect. can
0: sing that yeah. guitar solo yeah. in my mind just right now. Oh, yeah. Like, no problem at all.
1: Oh, when we did it so in the great. Branson Rock Band one year. We were learning it, and I uh, the kid was doing it wrong. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, that's not how it goes. He's like, well, I haven't learned it yet. And I'm like, give me that guitar. And I played it for him. And then he couldn't do it. I was like, how do you not have that? I was like, oh, wait, he hasn't listened to it a thousand times. (laughs) And he's not hearing it as a extra verse of vocals the way I hear it. Yeah, totally with you. No, For sure. That's and great. then,
0: I mean, I'm an anti-Bongos guy, generally speaking, but the Bongos oh, but... on Sympathy are amazing. <laughs> and that makes me yeah. even more do- mad at Joe South. Do- do- Joe South yeah. <laughs> had presumably heard Sympathy and then right. bought it at Timpani part for his record.
1: Yeah, uh. let's try. Let's get Joe South back out here and beat him around a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> great. All right, Jeff. Awesome. What do you got tonight? I'm not going to change my song. I will change um, what I have to say about it. Um, so my, my song's I Want You Back uh, by the Jackson 5. Uh, and it's my favorite song from the year because, um, it's, uh, there are days in which I Want You Back is my all time favorite. Or anything, um, the joy that they pack into this song, like it's exactly three minutes, it's a perfect single. It sounds good coming out of the shittiest AM radio, it sounds great coming out of a big, fancy stereo system. Um, it's just, uh, it's you know it's just a little bit of perfect it's like a perfectly made chocolate chip cookie Um, and it's it's a great combination of an incredible house band and these young kids from indiana who are chasing fame and stardom it's got all this joy but it's also got all this ambition in it like everyone's playing as hard as they can and as well as they can and what i want to say about it tonight though is like i mean in 1969 we start we start lionizing rock music, right? Like Led Zeppelin 2 and Abbey Road and Let It Bleed and The Who's Tommy Is and, you know, the band's uh, second record with Dixie Down and, the, and uh, you know, like there's just all of the, this is the moment where the conversation about rock and roll becomes about these big, important artistic albums. Um, at the expense of the singles acts, particularly the African-American singles acts of the 1960s, and I think it's really important to remember that uh, songs like I Want You Back are, they're equally, if not more important than those big album moments, right? Like albums are what people listen to now, right? You go to Spotify, like, okay, I want to know about 1969, like I'll put on Abbey Road. but. Nobody, very few people were were building record collections in 1969. Undergraduates were and like music fanatics. Everybody else was buying 45s or they were just turning on AM radio and just waiting for the song to come back on every hour on the hour because it was a hit. And I think it's I don't want to forget that um, that contribution, that crucial contribution to the joy of the world. That singles artists, particularly African American singles artists in the United States, played, and it's particularly heartbreaking. I want you back because this is, of course, is Michael Jackson at age eleven, right? One of the most talented humans of the 20th century, just a kid gifted with all of the all of the miraculous gifts of music that he has from from a very very early age, right? One of my favorite things you can find on the internet is the demo for "Beat It." The demo Michael Jackson made for Quincy Jones, uh-huh. beating it. It's acapella. It is a forty-eight. Tr- it is a forty-eight track recording of Michael Jackson singing all the parts. And when I mean all the parts, like do 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 do, do, do and he does all the st- all the drums. He does all that. He does. He's he's got it all in his head. He can't play an instrument, but he's got the whole thing in his head, and that's what he sends to Quincy Jones. And then wow. Quincy Jones replicates Michael's head through actual instruments. Like that's who this 11 year old kid is about, is becoming. And at the same time, he's the victim of ruthless familial abuse, right? Like these kids were abused. They were verbally abused. They were physically abused. They were abused by becoming famous too early. There was a cartoon show about these kids when they were the age they should be watching cartoons not be the stars of cartoons and so i can't help but hear i want you back now and hear all of that joy betrayed right Mm. like i want you back is like it's 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 the sound for me of a home run or finding out that the person you love loves you back or like daybreak that's what i want you back sounds like and just like like ben was just talking about or we were talking about, about other things like it's this it's also now the sound for me of the inability to live up to or hold on to those that possibility of joy right like Michael Jackson's story is brutally heartbreaking just like the American journey is brutally heartbreaking just like most of our journeys have moments of brutal heartbreak and so for me I want you back has a depth to it now at 51 that it didn't when I first fell in love with it when I was like 15 yeah. um, but a with all of that said, <laughs> it's so unbelievably funky and great and well done gate to gate. And so it'll always be my favorite song from 1969.
2: And the best, so, the best opening in
1: music. It's in there, that piano slide. Boom. I mean, you hear oh, the guitar part the down, is what gets me.
0: The oh, first well, 10 seconds.
1: To, yeah. bump, bump, I mean, if you're not dancing by then, <laughs> I don't know what's the most what's I mean, there's like maybe 10 songs. That have m- m- moments like that where you're like, you're on the dance floor oh, immediately. This yeah. is one of them.
3: I Want You Back by the Jackson Five. <laughs>
1: Like, i don't like child stars i hate the whole concept of it i don't like when we turn an 11 year old into a a public figure it makes me incredibly uncomfortable and uh i i forget like this should be a novelty record listen to that little kid sing and yeah, instead it's, right, it's not right. it's just it's just great it's just great oh and it's crazy this they put abc
0: out second which is the yeah. novelty song like this. Right. is They just put out a straight up soul song with Michael Jackson singing for no reason. Like, what are the odds that this kid has a heartbreak story about his girlfriend dating somebody else at <laughs> yeah, 11? Right, like, right, it seems right. hard to believe.
1: And, I, and I'm coming <laughs> off of the of the little Stevie Wonder phenomena. It just seems like Motown trying to like, it's even right. worse. They've already had the 11 year old who sings about a girlfriend he doesn't have. And they're trying to, they try to go to the well a second time and hit and they, so oh, they go to the well
0: no. and then they come up with even more I think mean, like it's a gusher
2: yeah <laughs> yep so this was it this was the first song out of the gate for the jackson five yeah I mean, did they have anything before diana, this? Ross,
1: or... diana ross presents the jackson five and track boom, one i went off you back. to the yeah. races and when did wow. they
0: at some point they start writing their own stuff this is a this is a, a barry gordy the corporation yeah
1: gym. it's a corporation tune um They they have you know, what's amazing about them is it's mostly covers and some of the covers are wild. The fourth track on this record is a Funkadelic cover. It's a song. I'll bet you it's from the uh, from the Maggot Brain record. Right. So and uh, and it's contemporary, like Maggot Brain had come out four months before this. For sure. The Jackson like, Let's do that. So like they were already like they were already taking crazy ass risks when they're teenagers. Like they're they're really interesting. And the whole record is the Motown band. Yeah. I mean yep. it's
0: not the Jackson Five are just singing, they're not playing any of the instruments. I mean, they're I know singing. live they play the instruments, but this is
1: Sing, singing and playing, as far as I know. Yeah. Dude, and that band.
0: That oh. band. Those two guitarists, I can't just and ABC's the same way. Like yep. those guitars are just fantastic. And they're so and interesting. Just, off the yeah, beat just, and like playing yeah. off of
1: each other. Like it's crazy. And ABC slips the beater, like it has a turnaround, because it goes... It's like row, row, row your boat, but funky as hell. It's really, it's so clever, because it's so simple, but it's so clever. It's very frankly, esque frankly, in the cleverness of arrangement, one might say. You're the best. I love
0: this one. I can't say enough about it. It's such a great call. This is an all-timer.
1: All right, Timmy, you're uh, changing it. Bonus right. content for the... For Bonus the re- content. So I.
2: the the devoted listener may recall that I went with Ooh Child uh, back in the very first podcast. Um, great song. Love that song. No regrets. Some mistakes were made. <laughs> However,
1: I always want to hear Ooh Child.
2: <laughs> My buddy Joe Achilles is like, you got to be kidding me. 1969, you didn't pick Gimme Shelter. And I thought, I was like, oh, God, was that was that, that year? That's, that's, a, that's unfortunate. I didn't realize that was that year. I remember Greal Marcus coming to Asheville School um, and playing that song. Like, he's Greal Marcus is in our auditorium, um, you know, 280 students, and he plays that song over the loudspeakers. And he says, I want you to listen to that song again. And we all sat there again and listened to it uh, before Grill Marcus started talking about that night of, of recording that song and what that meant at that time period in, in American history. It was a great night. And I and I said to Joe, like, oh, that's my mistake. Too bad I can't go back and change it. Um, but here, here's where the, the story Ben Barton turns sad. I don't know... About Rolling Stones, albums, time periods, <laughs> when songs occur. I like, think Ben has picked this up. Don't worry. I don't think <laughs> this is a revelation. If if you had said uh, that the Harlem Shuffle occurred in the 60s, I would have believed you. I have no beef. I, I think I could name, before your talk, I could name two Rolling Stones albums, uh, Sticky Fingers 71. and Tat- And Tattoo You, 81. I remember there's like a a tongue coming out of a giant mouth. Very disturbing to me. Um, I can't name any songs off those albums. So there I am uh, this morning, like, well, I got to change my pick. I got to go with Gimme Shelter because this is ridiculous. So I go and I'm like, I want to make sure that was 1969. And I go and there's this album in 1969 called... Let It Bleed. Ben Barton, do you know what the last song on Let It Bleed is?
0: It's not Give Me Shelter, isn't it the first one?
1: No, you can't always get what you want.
2: Which is by far the best song of
0: 1969, Uh Jeff Simons, Go. Oh, that's what you're doing, I like it. I
1: like it, that's what we call misdirection. You really did,
0: although Give Me Shelter would have been a great selection too.
3: You can't always get what you want by the Rolling Stones.
2: you guys read the essay i can't remember the name of the writer but she uh, had a crush on a boy in 1969 and she really wanted to impress him and in their chorus class at school the teacher was cool and at the end of his his class period he would let students play a record a song of their choosing and it was her crush's turn and he came to her and he's like i don't, I don't know what to play i don't know what to play and she's like my brother has bought let it bleed this is the coolest song on the album. The Rolling Stones are so cool. Play, you can't always get what you want. And the crush is like, are you sure? It's the next day. She brings the record, hands it to her crush. He gives it to the chorus teacher. They play the song. And um, and uh, the period ends and the teacher like stops it right at the end of the uh, orchestral beginning. And it never gets to the rock and roll. And the, the crush is like, what the hell was that? Like that song sucks. She's like, it got cool. I swear to God. Uh, it's a great little opening to a song. And then it's just Mick Jagger in control. Confident as all get out. I mean, I don't know if there's a cooler song
0: in music history than you can't always get what you want. The sound of that acoustic guitar when Keith with the acoustic guitar, like I mean, it's like you're inside a Martin. Like it just sounds (laughs)
1: so. It's amazing,
0: perfectly recorded, and his playing is so simple and perfect. Um, and the song's beautiful. Yeah, I like this one. The um, the chorus that begins it. Yeah. When the so one thing to remember about the Rolling Stones and this is this connects to the Altamont thing. They were not a love and happiness, free love, 60s band, And this is one of the reasons that they pushed back against the Beatles. Like they put out a record in 1967 called Their Satanic Majesty's Request. And they had multiple songs about sex, rape, violence. Sympathy for the devil. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Like people were terrified of them. And remember this, when you're scared of your kid's music. right? Right,
1: yep. Yeah, stuff
0: that's coming out then everyone was pooping themselves over. Yeah, like one of the reasons why Mick Jones got kicked out of the band was they they wouldn't give him a work permit to come to the U.S. because he had a pot arrest and a conviction for pot, and they were like, "Well, he's a narcotics peddler." (laughs) <laughs> yeah so, it's true i mean true. they were they were a dark and terrifying band at the time oh that's fascinating um, and but that being said i love this like this is a great answer to um let it be and of course the the, the record's called let it bleed um, right and you can't always get what you want is um not good it's exceptionally good life advice that we can all take every day so hey true. we're there we
1: are so there. here's my Here's my story about these two songs. So, the, rock, the Branson Rock Band was performing at a holiday assembly. Okay. Branson was their first show of the year, and we were doing Gimme Shelter into You Can't Always Get What You Want. And I had roped Fun. in the two a cappella groups to sing the intro to You Can't Always Get What You Want and the outro. So, I was going to have 44 kids on stage, an uh, wow. all school assembly. We would practice, 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 practice. And the day before is Sandy Hook. Oh God. And I get to us and I've set up all the equipment the night, you know, the day before we're all set. I get to assembly. And the head of school, um, not in his greatest moment, is like, hey, you have to do something. Like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna cancel it. I said, What do you mean? He's like, Well, you know, it's your assembly. Are you are you gonna say something about Sandy Hook? So he throws in my lap, like, are we canceling this performance or not? And or if, are you going to hear what's, <laughs> and what are you going to say? So yeah. I, I, it's just one of those moments where you're like, you take a deep breath and like, okay, so I got up on stage and I, I talked about how I was feeling. And I just said like, look, there's 50 kids who have been practicing for weeks to do something for you. There's two songs here. One is about rage and the other is about redemption. Oh, so we are going to channel all of how we feel, we're going to channel all our rage into the first song. And then we're all going to have a little hope and redemption. And those kids went up and played Gimme Shelter. And when Delaney Flanagan sang Rape, Murder, the whole... Oh, like, first of God. all, everybody stood up. And then everybody's screaming along and sobbing. And when oh. we did, you can't always get what you want. Like, I mean, it was pandemonium. It was like, it was just one of those, like, you know, three or four... Memories you don't forget. It was incredible. Wow, that's and, a great uh, story, man. Never that's about. amazing. Yeah, and it was great. It's the alpha and omega of that record, and it takes all the way back to the beginning of this conversation. It was, it was the, it, that's life, right? It's rage, right. And re- rage with hopefully redemption, and when it's just rage, the you know, Yates is right. The center cannot hold, and mil- mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. Right. That's what this podcast is. It's the redemption.
2: <laughs> Listen. It's the re- I I think what you just said is beautiful and eloquent, and it's a great way to end our podcast. But I want to point out Ben Barton that he said, "I invited our two acapella groups. (laughs) They have two acapella groups,
0: boys
1: and girls." Good call, (laughs) good call. Thank you, Timmy, for pulling that out. Well, you
0: couldn't get a third. There's not a fourth and a fifth. I feel like you're laying down on the job, Jeff. I feel like at your fancy private school, everyone should get several acapella groups. What are you guys doing? What are you paying the money for?
2: It oh, should I should be walking it. to class. I know. Acapella. I don't
0: understand do why do Jeff's walk. English class is in acapella. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
1: my God, that's so great. <laughs> You're walking down the hill and you head to do class. Did you run, run, run. I'm going to institute that for next year for sure. Insight acapella. That All so right, acapella. guys.
2: Thank you for a great, great night. So our homework is due next week. Can't wait. It's the cleanup Podcast. Bring a guest if you want. And, uh, and we'll go from there, okay? All right. you're the man. Well done! Hey, if you're having as much fun as we are, leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a rating on Spotify, iHeartRadio. Wherever you listen to podcasts, give us a shout. And then check us out on Twitter or at our Facebook page, 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys.
3: Electric Acid. Electric, acid. Electric acid. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonise your mind, body, and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound.